This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hi, Rubin. Hey, Suzanne. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Feeling better after our last conversation. <laughs> after a therapy session. <laughs> yes, I don't think I need therapy right now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm here for you. Thank you. If you it ever means, need anything. It means a lot to me. Of course. Of course. Well, What's on your mind? You actually, I'd, I'd asked you... Um, I wanted to do some more reading on photography, and so I'd asked you if you had any recommendations, and you gave me uh, two titles that I kind of wanted to share with everyone um, that I'm just starting to pick up, and I think they're awesome. One is Art and Fear, Observations on the Perils and Rewards of Art Making mm. by David Bales and Ted Orland. Nice. And the second uh, was Susan Sontag on Photography. Oh, and that's... On photography is honestly one of my favorite books. Yeah, well, those they were good recommendations. <laughs> I know why I recommended that. You're like I yeah. stick with that recommendation. I, I actually asked some of the neo modern staff the other day if there were books they would recommend. Yeah, Just curious, and they recommended but they recommended three books, but these were two of the three. They concurred. Yes. Well, you'll have to put the third one up on. I don't on even the... remember what she said. I was so excited that she mentioned these two. Um, <laughs> that you were confirmed. Susan Sontag, she's just so smart. She's thought oh, she about is. this. Like my dream, if I had a dream. Yeah. I had a, <laughs> if I had a dream about this, it would be to create something this good, like in my lifetime, a book on photography. Wow. Yeah. Uh, like a, a, a follow up on it. I'll never get there. That is I, a beautiful dream. But maybe our podcast will be that Ooh. good. Um, I want. Can I read you something from the beginning of this? Oh, I please know. do. Uh, I, I so I I took this book from a friend many years ago and never uh, gave it back. I never gave it back. I wrote all over <laughs> it, and um, it's mine now. It's mine now. That's what happens. If if you're listening to this, I don't even know who it would be. You can't have it. Can't have it. Anyway, you'll buy uh, them a new copy. I will. Um, at the beginning of her book, there, there's so many good quotes in here, but um, she begins with this kind of thought, and she's talking about photography, of course, and she says. Uh, being educated by photographs is not like being educated by older, more artisanal images. For one thing, there are a great many more images around claiming our attention. The inventory started in 1839, and since then, just about everything has been photographed, <laughs> it seems. And that book was written in 1977, was, so imagine how she feels now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. In teaching us a new visual code, photographs alter and change our notions of what is worth looking at, and what we have a right to observe. They are a grammar and even more importantly, an ethics of seeing. Wow, I just want to sit with that for a second. That is a great quote. I mean, I mean, she just begins there and yeah. then she goes on into so many uh, so many different directions. I mean, we could like dig into all of these things. Well, the ethics of seeing, I feel I feel like that kind of really opens up a lot um, just between the idea of what you know what do you take pictures of how do you take pictures what's okay oh. to take pictures of exactly yeah people talk a lot about photography being uh, access yeah it's a term that I, I hear a lot where you know we all have cameras but some people get to go to the cool places meet the cool people right be, be witness to these amazing things and they get those cool pictures if I was just hanging out with Mick Jagger I'd have cool fame I'd be a yeah. famous photographer too yeah uh, and access is indeed real. 
it, it belies this idea that there are pictures everywhere and you can, you know, mm -hmm. you can see things, great things everywhere. But certainly if you want to be a photojournalist or you want to, you know, document your time, right. your place in the world, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it also makes me think of, um, I'm like, well, and you just taught me how to pronounce your name correctly. I thought it was Diane. It is Deanne. It's Deanne Arbus. Um, Deanne Arbus. Call, my sister called me like very grumpy with me for getting it <laughs> wrong at some earlier point in my life. So. What a good sister. She's a great sister, um, yes. But no, I mean, it makes me think of her work and she was, the, there's a sort of a show of hers at uh, SF MoMA, I think oh, yeah. a year and a half ago, yeah, something like yeah. that. And it was, um, it was powerful and it was honestly, some of the images were kind of hard to look at. She's, and, she's creepy. I mean, she, <laughs> you know, she, uh, there's conversations all the time about like, she would go find the strangest, she'd go to circuses right. and insane asylums. I don't know. Can you say insane asylum? Is that a thing? I, th I mean, it definitely was back called then, an insane asylum back, at the time, then, I would yeah. say. Now it's probably a, a mental wellness there retreat. You go. It's a <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's but, what it is. But I think what was so interesting about her work is that it felt like she was compassionate. She wasn't like the as far as the ethics of seeing, it didn't feel like she was a just being voyeuristic and putting it out there and kind of then walking away. It was sort of these were compelling stories and in fact she was almost showing the the humanity behind them and I, telling those stories. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I need I need to read this other Deanne Harvis quote. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, this really fits into some other stuff we talked about. But she said, "I always thought of photography as a naughty thing to do. That was one of my favorite things about it. <laughs> and when I first did it, I felt very perverse." <laughs> <laughs> Great. That, that, that's her saying. That. Oh, it is. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah. But what's interesting then is because well, I also had read something about. Because she, you know, ultimately committed suicide, yeah, which yeah. is so sad. Yeah. Um, but then it, the idea was like, the, uh, I'm going to actually read uh, Susan Sontag's words. The fact of her suicide seems to guarantee that her work is sincere and not voyeuristic, that it is compassionate, not cold. Her suicide also seems to make the photographs more devastating, as if it proved the photographs to have been dangerous to her. It makes me think of like a psychologist, you know, where they're, you're hearing all of these um, really intense problems you know from your patients and it's really hard not to sort of like take them home and, and personalize them and so it's almost like she was that connected she felt that strongly about you know these these individuals and these characters and their stories that it you know kind of it, with this interpretation it's sort of like she just took that it was too much for her don't you get that feeling from like war correspondence and stuff people oh, who go yeah. to these, these horrific places on earth and see just things people shouldn't see that are hard to forget and yeah. they're there yeah like and they're taking pictures. It's like, I, I know we talk about you creating this space. It's not just this, you, you can't be dispassionate. Right. You know, you have a feeling, uh, it kind of brings up these issues of feelings. Absolutely. Um, you know, actually, let's talk briefly about feelings. Okay. You know, we, uh, I, I was coming across very strong for beginners to like work on issues of composition mm -hmm. and capturing the moment and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I think the thing that makes beginners photography sort of weak sometimes is that they're they're not communicating how they feel about this thing. It's just a, it's what they're seeing, but it's not what they're feeling. Yeah. In, in fact, there's a there was a quote by a photographer, a war correspondent, Don McCullen, who said that photography isn't looking, it's feeling. If you can't feel what you're looking at, then you're never going to get others to feel anything when they look at your pictures. So true. Yeah, and and so when I was looking at your picture of the sidewalk with the lines on it, mm -hmm. and I was making suggestions about compositionally, maybe yeah. having something else there, 
the un I mean, that's a solution to making a better picture, maybe. Mm-hmm. But what is the unspoken thing, or what I failed to, to mention, is that, like, I don't know that I saw that picture and had a feeling for right. what you what your feeling was. Right. You know, that's the other thing that's great about photography. It's we don't always need to know what the photographer was feeling, mm-hmm. why they took the picture. It. It's just you bring the, the observer brings something to it. It's why I don't. I'm not really a big fan of that sort of conceptual photography mm-hmm. because if I need it explained to me, it it needs to stand alone. The whole point to me of photography is that these images exist outside of being explained. You know, if they're going to last for a hundred years or a thousand years, it, people won't know what it was. They're just right. going to see it and have a feeling about it from what they see. Well, that's a really interesting thing because even if it's abstract photography. Why do you need it explained? If it's if it's a powerful composition that makes you feel something, you just want to know that you want to be confirmed. You want it to be like this is the right story, or what no, if it just you, makes you feel something? I don't think you need to know what the right story is. I found out, you know, there's this Ansel Adams picture I love, yeah, um, called uh, I think it's sort of Lone Pine, mm-hmm. and it's a huge vista of mountains, perfectly exposed, and in the bottom is a tiny little horse. It's this. It's I think his most beautiful photograph. And people will argue with that. But is this I th- the one we referenced about the different type? Like, if you own the original of Lone Pine, or was that a different? Um, where it was like, no, that was probably Moonrise Hernandez. Okay, yeah. Uh, but uh, for this Lone Pine picture, I've I've looked at that picture for years, mm-hmm. and uh, it's one of my favorites in like in our whole collection of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I only kind of recently realized that he had taken it as part of a series of pictures he was doing about sort of internment camps after World War II, during World War Two. Oh, yeah totally changes the way I, I feel about him going out into this part of the country and and other pictures from that series are certainly not that majestic and beautiful they were and does that change do we need to know that to appreciate that picture or is that a great picture anyway yeah so um my point being well, I don't know what the point is it's like you don't I don't want to have to know anything else I want mm-hmm. it all there it's just like what many photographers have said if like if I wanted to explain it I wouldn't have taken a picture <laughs> <laughs> it's the thousand words right there for you buddy that's right <laughs> um, I, it's, it's interesting because I had a choreographer when I was younger uh, Hei Kong Lee she's a Korean choreographer based out of LA and she would always she would create these beautiful pieces that were always very sort of abstract and we would ask her what okay what is it about like what what was what made you kind of create this and the music was also very kind of nonlinear abstract and so it didn't give you any clues and um, she would never say she would say what what does it make you feel then that's what it's about and I simultaneously <laughs> found that incredibly frustrating because I also wanted to be sort of confirmed I wanted to be you know vindicated yeah, yeah, I wanted yeah, to be yeah, right yeah. I wanted to see if I was truly seeing what she'd intended but it didn't matter to her it was only about if it's a powerful piece that it makes you feel something and that's enough it that that conversation I just remember it's really changed my whole perspective on sort of abstract art as a as a um <laughs> as a thing yeah I, I think that for uh, I want to tend to try to bring stuff back to what your be- beginner's experiences are and yeah. not necessarily talking about art. But I think that um, to, to put yourself in there, to, to try to Im- create pictures that have a feeling, that capture your feeling mm-hmm. and not just of the sort of beautiful scene on the surface will make everybody's pictures better. Yeah, like no, you, that's you absolutely there, true. That's a thing to practice, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, uh, we could talk about Susan Sontag all day. Maybe we'll do... Hold, 
whole episode of there. I just wanted to do a tiny bit of introduction of the Art and Fear book. Okay, great. Um, t- so Ted Orland, the guy who, one of the co-authors of this book, he lives in Santa Cruz, and I've had opportunity to meet him a few different times. He, he was friends with Jerry Ulsman, so that was kind of my introduction there. Mm-hmm. And um, he, the two important things I, to mention about Ted are, one, that he was uh, Ansel Adams' assistant. He was one of Ansel's assistants. So he's like he had a ton of amazing experiences there. Wow! And it's like it's great. But the other thing about Ted Orland is that he introduced me to digital photography. Like I was really resist- yeah, I was really resistant to it. I didn't like the cameras. I didn't understand how you could get a decent print out of a out of a computer, <laughs> you know. And I went and visited him, kind of you know to go go to the mountain yeah. <laughs> and see the yeah. meet the guy and and I walked into his house and he had like digital printers and he had these racks and uh-huh. he had all kinds of equipment and I stood there and he was talking about what he was doing and he he was saying you know Ansel loved technology and you know he no one cares no one cares what kind of camera you're shooting and <laughs> it's all about the prints make beautiful prints and these are beautiful prints did and, that feel sort of sacrilegious or were you just mind blown well it was both. It was, sacrilegious. <laughs> it was like to have Ansel Adams' assistant. Right. And, and I knew that Ansel Adams was always actually very technically savvy. He was interested in new technologies and I stuff. I didn't know he, that. He, as much as we characterize him as like an old school master, yeah. he he embraced technologies very much. And uh, and, and I guess Ted Orland did too. Uh, but that it, it turned me around. It blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I went and I wrote down everything he had in his in his <laughs> studio and I went and I bought it all the printer wow. the paper that he was using <laughs> and I felt like it was okay now if he if he, he had He his, blessed it. He blessed it and I could now try being a the digital printing is okay. That's so I mean was, and then it like changed your life. <laughs> it, it changed my, I I actually asked him if he would come and talk with us on the podcast. Oh yeah. He, he said he's not really feeling up for podcasting right now. Fair, it's, you know. It's fair enough. But his like his book Art and Fear so perfectly discusses the issues of being an artist. Mm-hmm. And um I'm going to read some of the introduction here where he said um this is a book about making art, ordinary art. Ordinary art means something like all art not made by Mozart. <laughs> After all, art is rarely made by Mozart-like people. Essentially, statistically speaking, there aren't any people like that. But while geniuses may get made once a century or so, good art gets made all the time. Making art is a common and intimately human activity filled with all the perils and rewards that accompany any worthwhile effort. The difficulties art makers face are not remote and heroic, but universal and familiar. That's great. And, and like in all through the book, it's a short, it reminds me of like Letters to a Young Poet. Mm. Um, and I've read Letters to a Young Artist. I've never read uh, Letters to a Young Poet. Oh, that's the original. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's, that's what people are copying, I, th- I think. I'm I, sure, I'm sure. Um, but he goes through sort of methodically the nature of the problem and, you know, what keeps you from creating art? You know, why do we stop ourselves? Why do we not push it? What, what are the issues? It's, it's so crystallizes all of those things I, I it feels weird to call yourself an artist for anybody it feels yeah. like unless you totally quit your job mm-hmm. it, it seems like you're uh, you're pretending mm-hmm. in some way or you're not worthy and he speaks eloquently I, I mean both he and his co-author who I don't know David um, speaks so beautifully about just what are the real world problems of you know competition and not feeling good enough and all that 
Oh, all great. That. It's a it's a wonderful book. Well, and thank you for recommending it. Yeah. I think and your your colleagues at Neo Modern, thank you for <laughs> yes, confirming everyone, the recommendation. Everyone recommends yeah. these books. <laughs> uh, but Susan Sontag is sort of the specific, it's heady philosophy about sort of why we take pictures and what's the point. And yeah. it would argue many things about like the truth, truthiness and all this other stuff. And art and fear is really just what it means to create in, in the world. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait to read them. Oh, they're good. You can't borrow mine. I know. Because I, you're like, <laughs> you someone, else will, someone else will come hunting for it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let me know if anyone seek, like secretly lent Ruben uh, their book years and years ago. <laughs> you cannot have it back. I'm changing my address. <laughs> you can't have it. It's mine now. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com forward slash podcast for more information and our show notes and photos. If you have a question or something you'd like us to talk about on the podcast, you can leave it there as well. Uh, leave a review and a rating at any service you listen in on. would be great. Yay. And thanks to jazz great Mitchell Foreman for our music. And we appreciate your attention out there. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, hopefully we've given you some things to work on and maybe think about. Until next time.